This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Funbelt Podcast. Funbelt Podcast. Funbelt Podcast. Funbelt Podcast. Funbelt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sunbelt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. So we established before we started recording here that I've got a radio voice now that I've got a little bit of a cold, so it's perfect time to record this week's episode of the Fun Belt Podcast with uh, with Dusty Thibodeau and Jeremy Harper. I'm Shane Metlin. I hate doing these intros, but we've got a ton to talk about today, don't we, guys? Uh, it's in the air. I guess we do have things to talk about like well shape i mean actually not not shape tibbs you're kind of the, the 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 ball cracker here what should we talk about first man there's a lot going on to me the big uh-huh. story coming into this week's episode southern miss basketball they got the big win over the cajuns last thursday yeah cajuns were number three in the mid-major poll, Eagles number six, no moss. <laughs> well, you know, that was held in Hattiesburg, right? That that was a that was not that was a home win for the Eagles. Am I correct? 14 and 0 at home. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and brag. I said it when they got <laughs> Neftali Alvarez back. I said all of a sudden, I think I went from thinking it was gonna be a really, really tight race to thinking. Southern Miss might win by a game or two, which right now they got a two-game lead. And I don't see them losing more than one more before it's all said and done. I may have just jinxed them, but uh, I think they're in a really good spot to have that number one seed. Shane Metlin with the Daily News record jinx <laughs> on, <laughs> on Southern Miss. Yes. And their quest to be the number one team coming out of the Sun Belt. But, you know, it looks to me like there are a couple teams out there, not Louisiana and, and Southern Miss notwithstanding. They're kind of surging. The Dukes being one of those teams, kind of not, not necessarily blowing out opponents uh, at sometimes looking like they, they, they could be like struggling a little bit, but they've come away with kind of a streak. Yeah, they've played well. They've, Finished up their road set. I mean, they don't have any more road games, which I think is pretty big coming down for the last two weeks. They got to play them all at home. And they went six and three on the road, which is pretty darn good in this conference. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a graphic on the Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bragging about that, that their, their success on the road. So uh, let me ask you this, Tibbs. Have the Warhawks kind of come back to earth? Have they? Have, are they are they creating a crater? Are they are they done? I think that they've they definitely they hit the buzzsaw there of, of Southern Miss. And you know, as we said, 14 and 0, the Eagles were at home. Warhawks had to travel there. It it just it didn't fare well. I mean, it was a good game, it was close, but uh Southern Miss just unbeatable so far this year at home. Warhawks found that out. Yeah, so but but what I'm wondering. Well, okay, yeah. What you're saying is that well, they 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 played some steep competition, but 
Yeah, I, I mean, they played the top two teams in the league. They played <laughs> the Raging Cajuns and then Southern Miss. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All if, right, if, all right. if, if they could have pulled those games out, I think that's a completely different conversation than, yeah, that's kind of what we expected to happen. Shane, have you ever seen Tibbs this emotional, this, this highly charged? I probably have, but we <laughs> I are. Don't know. Hey, it, he's getting the, the Warhawks have him feeling something, which I don't think they did for a lot of the time since I've come on this show. Like, you know, he's been fairly subdued about even football went a little better than expected. I think he's a little subdued about it, but yeah, it's good to see the Warhawks making him feel like yeah, they're it's back. Giving, it's not only giving them, you know, the ability to feel, but it's giving him a little bit of fight too. Yeah. He's, he's I'm fighting for that something. sea level tournament. <laughs> they got, oh, hey, oh, everything, shit. everything's trending up in Monroe. They've got a yeah. new AD who's a great hire. Yeah. Football and basketball are a little better than expected. Things are trending the right way. I would be excited if I was him. Not trending the right way for some of us, maybe all three of us, as we are citizens of certain Sun Belt programs, would be the new baseball season opening up mostly on Friday. I, I, I think we just talked about a little bit off the air that somehow uh, South Alabama managed to schedule an early game, but the Sun Belt released its preseason poll uh, last Wednesday. And uh, for Arkansas State, ULM, and James Madison, not not really looking that rosy, fellas. Top yeah, well, eight. I mean, it, it's it's the top eight, and then everyone else. I, I think out of those top eight teams, you could really mix and match, maybe except for the top three of Southern Miss, Georgia Southern, Texas State. I think those are kind of all one and the same. Yeah. Then there's four through eight, and then the rest. Yeah. Baseball's me, let, been down in Harrisonburg for a while. And <laughs> much to, you know, most many of the fans dismay at JMU. But even as the program maybe is getting a little bit better, they join a much tougher conference than they were in. So I don't think the expectations are very high at all for this season. Let me list off this murderer's row, gentlemen. That the, the you know a shame or not shame but uh, tips had mentioned that the top six teams are really the cream of the crop. I said top eight, it, but sure, top six, eight. It's all, all right, the same. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go. I'll go as deep. I'm fine with yeah. going as deep as eight. Go eight because I think at least seven is legit. I don't okay, know okay, okay. Number one, Southern Miss, best team and, in the league. Oh, yeah. Best program in the league by far. Number two, Georgia Southern, which to me, I, to me, Georgia Southern always for, they, they have a great team. I, don't get me wrong. I just never have a whole lot of confidence in them, and I don't know why. There's just something about the Eagles that don't just, just, just say, yeah, we're, the, we're a great program, but here they are, number two. Look, I, I, I love the Boobcats, but when you have former show guest Ty Fisher the pitcher for the Eagles yeah, checking in at number 118 in the preseason 250 top prospects. Yeah. I, I got to give a nod to the show and, and, and go with, go with the Eagles over the Bobcats. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, 
according to the Sunbelt voters in the preseason poll. The coaches. State, the coaches. Yeah. Oh, is it the coaches? Yes. Georgia Southern and Texas State pretty much neck and neck, right? They're tied for second. Coming in perennial Sunbelt favorite, Louisiana. They got first place vote. Following Louisiana at number five, Coastal Carolina, the former national champions, Coastal Carolina. Will not be as good as they have in the past. They lost too much from last year. That's good analysis from Dusty Thibodeau. Number six, South Alabama. We're not falling for South Alabama. I know, Tibbs. I know that's the policy on this show. Shane, you be the checks and balances here. We're not going to go goo-goo over South Alabama. But I will say that South Alabama has sported some really good teams in the past. And here they are, just trying to, you know, stay in the same league with these other teams. That's kind of surprising. Following South Alabama is another newcomer to the show, Old Dominion. Sleeper team. Sleeper teams. That's a really good program. Oh, all right. Well, you've heard it here first on the Fun Belt podcast. Shane and Tibbs agree. Old Dominion, a sleeper in the Sun Belt. And then we promised eight that we would say there was eight dominating programs. Shane says uh, there's probably just seven. But here comes Troy at eighth. Another sleeper team. You think a sleeper team, that Troy is a sleeper team. I, I, I think that they have the bats to compete. Uh-huh. I don't know about their pitching, but right. they'll definitely put up some runs. Okay. But now you get away from the eight, and you have a collection of teams that are going to be struggling. Yeah, Georgia State, which I always am a little surprised, them being with so much talent around them. You would think that they'd uh, field a better team. James Madison, Shane already expressed his woes about the program the warhawks you know what you know maybe the warhawks i'm gonna kind of pull from the same you know spot of luck as the basketball team and 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 to some degree the football team maybe maybe they're not as bad as what appalachian state and marshall are 12 and 13th and then arkansas state rounds it out at the very bottom putting out a possibility my friends that arkansas state Finishes this this season last in baseball, women's basketball, men's basketball, and football. Are we supposed to applaud to that, Jeremy? I mean, did you get what's the opposite of the Boobas Cup? The Boobie uh, Cup. There you go. That could be an official Fun Belt Podcast award. <laughs> Just the maybe the the, the Booby Cup. cup. <laughs> maybe it is the booby cup but we would have to give that to texas state every year so that, that there'd be some confusion i think so anyway i don't know if you guys are looking forward to baseball season but I, I i i am looking forward to seeing these top eight teams dusted up i i am looking forward to that i'm not necessarily looking forward to red wolves baseball although you know all right do you guys have you guys watched a movie called the sand a lot never seen it I have seen it. Yeah. I hate the sandlot, but people love the sandlot, you know, especially uh, like kind of like younger people who, who remember the movie when they were kids and they kind of have this idea that it was a masterpiece. It's not a masterpiece. Shane, I don't know what you think of this movie. 
I can't stand it. I think, but you know, the well, okay. I don't have strong feelings about it either way, but I know where you're going with this. So, <laughs> well, all right. So, you know, Arkansas State had its annual baseball kind of fan get together. They do it every year. And they invited the You're Killing Me Smalls kid, who's an adult now. He, he, has, he hasn't. But he looks he exactly the same. Like, he looks exactly the same. It's like I saw, I saw his picture with Kara Ritchie. <laughs> yes. He, he's about the same size. He has definitely the same round shape. And he's still got the freckles and the goofy hair. You, you, you kind of get the idea that this is his career now. Just sort of showing up and he's like, the, you're killing me Smalls guy. Well, he was there. He's kind of the MC of the event. And it was the largest event that this the, the biggest attendance this event has ever had. So it surpassed so, when you hosted last year is what you're saying. Well, I did a little belly dancing last year. I mean, I really put out all the stops. You know, I did a little uh, soft shoe. I told jokes. I played the drums. I, I did a dramatic reading from Star Trek 2. And uh, none of that really seemed to ring the bell. Arkansas State came in last uh, to finish the season, looks to finish last again. But maybe the you're killing me, Smalls guy, will give Arkansas State a little bit more juice. That would be nice. What else we got, Tibbs? So I just want to say this. I mean, preseason poll, it's all what did you do last year? Uh That's pretty much how you would expect it to line out. I mean, Obviously, looking at ULM, they were a 10 seed go, slipping into the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Made a little yeah. bit of noise there, leading Texas State late in that quarterfinal game before falling to the Bobcats. I think it's, I think it's a pretty accurate statement, though, of, of where this league is, seeing that really the top five are all pretty close together. You kind of have that, that middle pack and then the, the bottom dwellers that really anybody, even as a bottom dweller, can kind of sneak up and, and – get anybody on any given series. Well, there's always one bottom dweller that rises to the top. And that's what makes the Sunbelt the Sunbelt. It's the entropy that we invite. We invite the entropy. And I'm hoping that it's like, I'm hoping it's ULM that brings the entropy this year, just for the sake of uh, the value, the entertainment value that it would bring. But you know what? Last year, how many teams did we have go to the, College World Series, the, 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 the postseason. Was it four? What, you had yeah. the Cajuns? Yeah. You had Georgia Southern? Yeah. And, and Texas State? Texas State. And Coastal. And Coastal. And Southern Miss in, but they well, weren't Southern Miss wasn't with us. Yeah. But, I mean, okay. Don't know how we're counting. We kind of counted them, you know, like yeah. as 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 sort of a de facto Sunbelt team. We could be doing this on a routine basis now. The Sunbelt really could be a premium baseball league. Yeah, I, I think ODU was, what, were they one of the last four out last year too? That's awesome. right. That yeah, is this right. bumped them. I thought they had gotten robbed. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah. They had the Monarchs. But, you, you know, it's hard to make that argument that, that they deserve to be in when the team that bumped them wins it all. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that's six legit contenders for the NCAA tournament 
based on last year. And I could see three of those hosting. Yeah. Wow. That would be something. That would be something good. Like, when is that going to happen for basketball, guys? When are we going to get more than one bit out of basketball? It's coming. I'm, yeah, I'm honestly – I wrote about this last summer. Uh-huh. And I thought – I think they're a year, maybe two years ahead of schedule as far <laughs> as, like, getting those multiple teams into the top 100 this year. Uh-huh. Um, having some decent wins within conference play. If they can keep that up and build off of that for next year, they're closer. They're not. It, it's definitely not a multi bid league yet, but it's so much closer than it was last year. Tibbs, have you noticed that Shane has two gears when it comes to basketball? One is this sort of amazing optimism that makes you truly believe that a, that that Sunbelt basketball could someday be a respectable power in college basketball. And his second gear is just insulting Appalachian State. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he definitely hates the Mountaineers. And, and I think that all of the Twitterverse sees that and knows that. Um, I, I feel like as much as we're working on new intros to the show, we need uh-huh. a, a, a disclaimer, I guess, kind of like at the beginning of South Park, how they, you know, Talk about how how this doesn't necessarily reflect the views of everyone involved with the show and all that. Absolutely. That we need one of those for Shane. <laughs> yeah, and just to protect you and me, Tibbs, because we don't want to be part of that vitriol. We don't want to be part of the violence that's coming down from the hills. I mean, we, Shane, my God, you may be able to afford a security detail, but we I can't. think it's the state of North Carolina, to be honest, because <laughs> what I've gotten from App State fans, like it's a little little ribbing but it's nothing compared to what i was hearing from uh unc wilmington fans when i was still covering the caa so <laughs> maybe it's just i i don't know I, I have a hard time when i go south of the border i guess all right here's the headline i'm hearing that appalachian state fans are wusses compared to nc wilmington. <laughs> yes did you hear that uh the tips that's no, what I, heard. I heard that he hates the hawks since they're the seahawks and then the Warhawks. He, he hates the Hawks too. No, I, I've got nothing, nothing against the Warhawks. You know that. I know you just <laughs> pat us on the head, saying that's that. That's cute. <laughs> no, I think I honestly, I mean everything I said. Turn it in the right. Oh, direction. so you do hate? The, so you do hate App State? <laughs> <laughs> Quit hating on App State, Shane. <laughs> I. <laughs> Upstate is one of my favorite places to go. Oh, okay. All right. A little damage control. That's probably pretty smart. I I, I respect that. So, so as, uh, as great as baseball is, we yeah. know that basketball is on the upswing. We all know that, so- that Sunbelt softball is is where it's at. And the, the Raging Cajuns, that's the premier team in the league. They surrendered one run all weekend. Jeez. Sam Landry kicks off the season. 13 Ks out of the 15 batters she strikes to throw a no-hitter to start off the season. I mean, I hate to say it, but if the Cajuns lose a game, it's it's like the end of the world because, I mean, when you're on cloud nine of cloud nine, there's nowhere to go but down. Damn. That is a sizzling hot introduction to Sunbelt softball, Tibbs. Cajun's one of three undefeated teams after the yeah. first weekend. 
uh-huh. joining Coastal Carolina and Southern Miss. Oh, Marshall three and one. Mm-hmm. Georgia Southern, James Madison, winless. Ooh. Arkansas State canceled Christmas. They don't even have a program. No. Hey, but neither is Old Dominion. So we're not, finally not alone in the Sun Belt for just not having a, a softball program. Is I've been told. Works? I've been told for the last ten years that the sun, the softball program's on its way. So I, I'm sure it's just a uh, just a moment or two. Is this where you give your your annual plug of uh, Red Wolf Bowling? By the way, by the way, Red Wolves Bowling uh, came in second, and the uh, Sunshine State Tournament. So uh, you know they're they're rolling through the season pretty soon. I, I think. <laughs> I see. <laughs> pretty. What you're doing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think like in April is when they have their their big big postseason tournament. Is that when they strike up the postseason? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see what you did. In addition, <laughs> the Sunbelt's newest sport, beach volleyball. We have a ranked team. Georgia State kicks off the spring season, ranked number eight, Coastal Carolina in the others receiving votes. I feel like Coastal Carolina should be our beach volleyball team. I'm not sure what, how Georgia State developed such a great team, but it should be Coastal Carolina, right? I mean, they've got, they're like practically on Myrtle Beach. Why not just have a random one where, where it's, you know, Troy in the middle of Alabama or, or <laughs> Arkansas State that's like the best beach volleyball? I, let me tell you something. I have been advocating pretty damn hard for a beach volleyball program at Arkansas state. And I'm not saying it's getting traction or momentum, but there's some people saying, yeah, we should be in on this. It's very entertaining to watch. It's fast paced. You know, it's not the most expensive sport to support. So why not? Let's do it. It's, it's popping up inland almost to the point. It makes me wonder if they'll change the name. Like, just make it sand volleyball because it's definitely getting played off the beach these days. According to Commissioner Gill, <laughs> Commissioner Gill, Gill, yeah, what's his first name? Keith. <laughs> Keith. <laughs> I was like, I kept thinking Vince. I didn't know what you were. Vince Gill. Yes, <laughs> Vince Gill is is the commissioner of the Sun Belt, Jeremy. Uh, but according to Commissioner Gill, sand, uh, uh, sand, or sand, God, beach volleyball, damn you, Shane, is the fastest growing NCAA sport. So why not take advantage? Got to get on that. The Warhawks have a team, right? Got to join. Got to join. You have a team, though, right? The Warhawks have a team. Of course. We were yeah. one of the first to get beach volleyball. And Jimmy Mads. Does Jimmy Mads have a team? They don't. Um... Oh. It wouldn't shock me if it happens in the next, I don't know how many years, but it wouldn't shock me at all. How far are you guys away from the beach? From the Atlantic like Ocean? The ocean? Like, yeah. yeah. Two and a half hours. Oh, okay. Maybe all three, right. depending. I, I'm a half hour closer, so. Okay. I say all two right. and a half hours, but um, yeah. Lakes have beaches too. That's right. You know, Arkansas has plenty of lakes. You know, um, congratulations, though, to the Panthers and Georgia State for fielding a ranked team. That's really cool. I know that our good friend Ben from uh, the Panther Report will be very excited to keep everybody up to date. 
Panther Talk. You're the Warhawk Report. He's Panther Talk. Ben Moore, Panther Talk. Shane Thibodeau. <laughs> Dusty Thibodeau. <laughs> he is the Warhawk Report. Okay, I got you. All right. And then the Daily News Report is Shane Metlin. Or Record. record. Oh, the Record. That's right. I do the Daily News Report for the Daily News Record. Ah, okay. That's where the confusion set in. Yes. All right. <laughs> Tibbs, what else do we have? So, Jeremy, all the talk there of the Sun Belt, as yeah. you know, we have our own insight into the student athlete life as Maxwell George joins us, the cross country phenom from the Troy Trojans. Welcome in there, Maxwell. Good to be here again. I've, I've got a question for you, Maxwell. Yes. Sir. And uh, it, it will make sense later on. Okay. No, it won't. It might not make sense to you immediately. <laughs> But it, it will as as the show goes on. Have you ever eaten a bloomin' onion from uh, Outback Steakhouse? I have, yes. And what did you think of it? Uh, it was okay. I mean, I, I've had a couple. It's, it's the only really appetizer at Outback, so you get it every time. And it's like, it's the first couple bites are great. And as you get into it, it's like, okay, I'm not eating this entire thing. So you end up wasting like two-thirds of it. So, like, it's okay. Last now, are you okay? Are you the kind of guy that watches his carbs? Like, you're like, I, I need the protein. No, you, you just eat whatever because you're burning it all off. Yeah. All right. Okay. Because that blooming onion feels like it might be about 7,000 calories. Oh, for sure. But And, and I even clean the plate. <laughs> so, speaking of high calorie, mm -hmm. this past week, Troy had a great basketball atmosphere. Yes. Hosted the Raging Cajuns. The concessionaire put together a burger just for Maxwell. It Ooh. wasn't really just for him, but you know, two donuts. Was it two patties? Bacon yeah. cheese. Oh God. Tell us about the great heart attack sandwich. A sandwich like that is is meant for a special soul. And so you get it, they put it together. I'm pretty sure it had bacon on it too. And it was just, it's a lot. You can probably cut it in half and save, save another piece for later, but um, definitely something you got to use both hands and roll up the sleeves for to get into. So, I mean, like I said, it's probably a, a six and a half out of 10. Um, if you like kind of heartier burgers with a lot going on to it, I'd, I'd suggest it. Probably no ketchup though next time. Probably want to do ketchup. Ketchup on a donut? Dude, yeah. I, I, I'm done. I'm done. I'll, I'll, I'll never order it. Just for that alone. <laughs> Now, before you go to a meet, what are you eating? Um, so the night before, usually I'll go with like a pasta of some sort. And then that's usually just for me. I mean, I, I, that's what I've done since high school. Just pasta, chicken Alfredo is my go-to. Whether I make it myself or I'll get like – or I'll just order it in. We have a couple of restaurants in Troy that I'll make it. Um, if I'm broke, I'll go get it from Domino's. Um, <laughs> and then that morning, I'll probably go super light, maybe like oatmeal uh toast with peanut butter and like fruit and then now that's all I'll eat kind of like maybe two or three hours before the meet and uh like say we go to birmingham i'll eat like a snack or something like or like a, a six inch sub before i race like an hour or two before i race now you've never been like in the middle of a race and like been like oh god i really regret that chicken alfredo <laughs> no more so on <laughs> Our Saturday practices are always like a, a race kind of meet, like yeah. six, 
in. And like, I'll kind of eat some of this. I, I kind of like eat the same things continuously when you're a broke college student, that kind of how it, how it turns out. And so um, I've definitely had some practices where you'll get in the midst of a race like rep and it's like, Oh God, this is not going to turn out well. <laughs> God. <clears throat> how many calories a day do you eat? Ooh, I, I don't track them. That's the thing. I have no <laughs> like for breakfast. I'll always eat four eggs, toast, and like uh, sausage and water or coffee. And then lunch, depending on like where I'm at, I'll either have um, honestly like Chick Fil A or something like that. And then dinner is a combination of like tonight. I'm about to make deer burgers for dinner. So now, where does the deer come from? Um, so. We, I've gotten from two places. The first group of deer that I've, I, I've never hunted a day in my life. Okay. I was wondering, man, you're going out there getting it yourself. <laughs> so the first batch came from my parents uh, and at our church. They know we don't hunt, but they know we like deer meat. And so it's, then it's a competition. Who can get the Georgia's the most deer meat? And we'll, we'll pay for the processing and everything. We'll just get a freezer full of deer meat. Well, my roommate, uncle, or yeah, uncle works at a, um, what's the place that, that processes the meat? Can't think of it. Yeah, um, I, I can't think of it, but they work at one of those and they got sent home back to us with a bunch of deer meat. So got it from two different places. I think there's still remnants of both, but it's all been free to me. So you're not out off of 231 uh, picking up the remnants. I'm not. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be super gross. But speaking of super, did you watch the Super Bowl? I did. It was a great right. game. It was. It was a great game. It was It was like one of the more exciting yeah, Super Bowls I've seen in a long time. What did you think of the halftime show? Honestly, I did not watch the halftime show. What? She I was, was pregnant. So, <laughs> I watched it after the fact, but during the game, I was I was at my friend's house and we were doing like schoolwork during the game, and they're like, "Let's go eat during halftime," because honestly, not a whole lot cared about it, and so we went and actually got subway during the middle of it, and then came back and to watch the game. I know that every female in the entire world was just watching halftime. And so it was like, <laughs> we're, honestly, no, I think I stayed for the first song because I wanted to see what it was going to be. Cause everybody was speculating what it was going to be. And it was uh, that song. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's go get food. <laughs> you know, Jeremy, like, he was, he was busy doing homework during the Super Bowl. I'm so proud of him. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's a student athlete, student first. You got to make well, the grades. It, it's more of planned procrastination. So you don't want to do it Friday. <laughs> Don't want to do it Saturday. All the assignments are due Sunday or Monday night or Monday morning. So the last opportunity to do it was during the Super Bowl. So, so did your team win? Um, I didn't really have. So I'm a Falcons fan. So I've been in a lot of pain since 2016 when it comes to our NFL football. <laughs> um, my coach, though, on the other hand, is a huge Eagles fan, and throughout the season, a lot of our workouts <laughs> resemble to whether the Eagles win or lose, and. <laughs> For reference, like this entire week, they've had like green lights flashing on their house because they're Eagles fans. They take a trip to the Eagles game once a year. So wow. the, the entire team was hoping the Eagles won. Um, <laughs> I, being from Alabama, obviously Jalen Hurts that connection. I, I really want the Eagles to win, but I, I kind of had a feeling like the Chiefs are going to find a way. And as we all saw, they did. Absolutely. It was a fun game. I didn't really have a skin in that game either, but, uh, uh, it, I, I always root for a good Super Bowl because there's nothing worse than a yeah. lousy Super Bowl. Or and that like, was a good one. like the national championship game. I was just hoping for a good game. And then 
I look away one second, turn back, and Georgia's up by 50. Yeah, yeah. That's no fun unless you're, unless you're a diehard Georgia fan. Uh, it was no fun to watch. Guys, we have any more questions for our – I keep wanting to call him our intern, but he's not. He's our, <laughs> he's, he's our insider. I have nothing. But we, we now know to pay him in <clears throat> Domino's gift cards. actually you do need to tell us what the best restaurant in troy is so i'm running into a problem being here for four years that we're not like in a city like atlanta or not in Mm -hmm. a city like um mobile that there's ample of options to eat we have like the same like 10 to 12 places and so i I automatically eliminate a couple places off my list for regular eating and that's that's crystals and Arby's. We'll never eat there. And Burger King. We'll never eat there. So that leaves me. Oh man. That, that leaves me like nine other places. Um, I'm a huge Chick-fil-A guy. I love Chick-fil-A. But if we're talking about like restaurant restaurants, I've become very it's hard to say because I'm broke a lot. So I can't go to B Gray's all the time, which is like the like the, the restaurant in Troy. And so okay. it's it, that's like with like a lot, it's like date night kind of place. That's where people are going. Like tonight, every, that place is slammed. Um there's half shell that's really good it's just hard to say like if if we're going to talk fast food i used to work at chick-fil-a and so i would have to say chick-fil-a but if we're going to go like this this kind of identifies troy university kind of a place i'll probably have to say hooks barbecue it's kind of a troy place unique to troy it's really really good barbecue when i first moved to troy that was my first meal um a second place that i think i think they sit in the same tier we have this place called sips on the square or it's like a, it's called Sips Beer Garden on the Square, and it's a pizza place, and they also have wings, and the wings I would say are the best in Troy, but it also has like this huge selection of, of beer and stuff like that for out of season activities. Well, boys, it sounds like when we go to Troy, we need to get a little bit of barbecue. Jeremy, as you know, always looking at the Sunbelt Conference, but we like getting a different perspective. And the next guy, yeah, he's internet famous. I mean, he was the blooming onion at the Outback Bowl. Obviously, Outback Bowl is not around anymore, so he, so he's got some time on his hands. Okay, all right, and, and, and that is the infamous celebrity hot tub. Ryan Nani joins us. Welcome in there, Ryan, to the Fun Belt Podcast. Thank you. It's always nice to be called infamous because I don't feel very infamous in my day-to-day. So whenever I can get that that label, it's like, all right, yeah, I'm a little dangerous now. Not true, but it's nice to feel that way. So you got to tell us about that because, I mean, I, I definitely think that that's the most recent famous thing you've done there is how did you become the Bloomin' Onion at the Outback? It is definitely the thing I get asked about the most and the um the thing that probably the most people who don't who are just like friends of my parents are aware of which i'm sure they're thrilled about uh the short version is uh i was watching the year before i was the bloomin onion florida was in the outback bowl i was watching the game with my wife i saw the mascots the bloomin onion and the coconut shrimp and i looked at the bloomin onion and i turned to my wife and i said i'm gonna do that next year and she said that's the stupidest thing i've ever heard and i hope you do And then I just harassed Outback Steakhouse's Twitter account for like six months. And finally they like reached out to me and they were like, okay, please stop. 
we will let you do this for a limited duration at the game. And uh, that's how I rung in the new year of, I think that was five years ago now. I think that was 2018 if memory serves. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that they framed it as for a limited duration. Yes. I, I was only for, the, I, so, so originally when they reached out, they were like, look, we'd love to like have you do something, but they framed it as, as though this was like, some sort of internal reward for like hard workers within Outback corporate or something, which I don't know if that's true. I'm not going to say it's wrong, but it feels a little bit like a cop out. And then they compromise and said, we'll let you do it for one quarter. And, and I will tell you the costume is heavy enough and cumbersome enough that like I was good with one quarter. That was fun. That was just enough time for me. Would would you have done it though? Wait, wait, wait. Let me let me be clear on this though. Please dig in. Before Tibbs penetrates with more more insight. Okay. They were framing it as this is kind of an employee of the month gig. More or less. You were taking away some poor employee's moment of glory. Yes, that is correct. That (laughs) is correct. And I didn't like push real hard on that, but that is that is how it was initially framed to me. Yes. So never bitch, Jeremy, when they put your picture up on the wall again. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I've been employee of the month for three months straight at a pod, Fun Bell podcast. And I don't <laughs> Mostly because I refuse to have my picture taken. But, but, but Ryan, if they would have reached out to you and said, all right, you can't be the onion. You got to be the shrimp. Would you have done it still? Yeah, I would have done that. I mean, the shrimp costume is not as fun. It's smaller. It doesn't have the it doesn't have like the the width to it. Um you also, if you're the shrimp, you are for the Big Ten team. The onion is for the SEC team, and that was more fun to me personally. Um, but yeah, I would if if they had said shrimp or nothing, I would have. I mean, I'm not a fool. I would have done the shrimp. Are are are, are you now offering up cameos or, or autographed pictures of you in the onion outfit? I do. There is a picture. Um, there is a picture in my house of me in the onion outfit. And um, <clears throat> for a while, my oldest, when she was uh, a couple years ago, when she was a bit younger, she'd look at it and she'd be like, why are you in that pineapple? <laughs> be like, it's not. Again, it's a very unhealthy way to eat an onion. Okay. You know, I had my first bloom and onion uh, just a couple, like a month ago. What do you think? Well, it looks like a horror show. Correct. It looks like like an alien egg and something's going to come out of it. Correct. Man, it's tremendously good. I ate that whole thing. I, you, I, ate, you ate a whole blooming onion? I was sharing it with my mother-in-law. Oh, I okay. Two, I think she got two grabs at it. I had the rest. It was so damn good. It is tasty. It is uh, nutritionally horrifying. Like, yes, they, I, yeah, I gained yeah. 16 pounds as soon as I... <laughs> Did they give you the gold card so you get one free now every visit or something? No, nothing. Like it's <laughs> I um a, a a while after that I was meeting up with some uh, old work friends. They're like, "Let's go to Outback so we can like brag about this." And they got there and they showed the server the picture of me, and the server could not have been less impressed. The server was like, "I really just need your order. I really don't care what dumb shit this guy has done in his spare time." <laughs> No reaction whatsoever. Waiters are hardworking people. They don't want. I get it. I get it. I get it. (laughs) Well, we're glad that that you. It impressed us. I mean, thank you. We we love it. You know, so so we definitely uh, we we appreciate the the celebrity 
stopping by the the small Fun Belt podcast <laughs> there. But as we talk about Sun Belt Conference, you talked about you're not familiar with kind of the ins and outs of the league. So what do you see from this league in the G5 as you kind of look from the outside looking in? Um, so you, this could all be totally wrong. I'm going to preface it with that. That's true. Right. Pretty much any podcast I do, including my own. So you'll fit in real well here. Fantastic. I think the Sun Belt right now, as college football continues to sort of change drastically, I think it was just yesterday that um, it came out that the Pac-12 is meeting with San Diego State and SMU to possibly be new members. Great. Cool. Whatever. I appreciate that the Sun Belt, in its recent additions and in sort of what feels like its approach writ large is not trying to spread itself too thin in a very literal way. I appreciate that. Like there is some geographic coherence to the thing. It's still, you know, it's still a big conference in that it goes from, you know, the Carolinas to Texas um, and Virginia. And, you know, it's not, it's not small, but I appreciate that they are not going the route that, the G5 in other cases has done and, and power conferences are starting to do this too, where it's sort of like, okay, well, can we go get Boise state? Can we go get Utah state or something like that? Like, I think there is something very smart and very accessible about the Sun Belt saying like, no, we're going to like, the name is going to mean something. It's going to have sort of like a mean, a recognizable flavor and brand to it. And you couple that with the fact that, of the of of conferences that have added new schools this kind of goes under the radar but i'm not sure you could have a better first set or first year of new additions than the sunbelt did this year top to bottom right like yeah, absolutely and i like what you're saying here too like it, it seems like uh other conferences are being very reactionary unless yeah. they're the SEC. Who's, who's, who, who seems to plan things very well. The Sunbelt seem to have planned their acquisitions very well while everybody else is like, God, who's left? Yes. Who can we grab? SMU? Yes. Let's see if they'll come over here. Yes. Everybody yeah. else, most conferences are homecoming is in two weeks and I don't have a date and <laughs> I need to find some and I don't care how well we get along and I don't care if we're friends, like none of that. It's, it's, it's this grab, but the Sunbelt, maybe, maybe it's just like, a little bit of good luck, but it doesn't feel as frenetic. I don't know. Is that right? Is, is that roughly accurate in your view? Yeah. I mean, because I mean, I've been around from, from day one of the, of the Sunbelt when it comes to football. Yeah. It was tough to generate any kind of interest or excitement when you had Utah state, you had New Mexico state. I loved Idaho and I love the Kibbe dome. So yep. I was definitely excited uh, about that. Yep. But, but that when you're, Troy, do you really care about Utah State? Right. No, not in the least bit. And then, right. and, 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 but I agree with Wright Waters at the time having to kind of get whoever was willing to take that leap of faith to get it started. And then from there, you can kind of let it shift out, let it build and let it bloom into what it has become. And, and, and I, I think that Keith Gill and the administrators of the Sunbelt have done a phenomenal job of really building the regional rivalries the regional interest. I do hate that they did have to boot out two schools that were non-football playing schools, but I get it because mm -hmm. football is what drives the conference in all of athletics forward. I, I, the other, the other thing that I think is interesting 
about the recent growth of the Sun Belt is that it has shown that you can do the FCS FBS jump in as long as you're sort of like picky about who you choose and make sure that you're 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 bringing up teams that aren't just going to be like on good footing to compete but sort of like fit with what you're trying to do. Coastal Carolina is a really good example. JMU, you know, obviously had a great first year and for for NCAA reasons didn't get to have as much fun potentially as they could have. <laughs> I think that is an interesting example that I'm curious if other G5 programs will look at and sort of say like is that a thing we should be paying more attention to because I do think there is appetite for accomplished you know like let's take this as one example I don't know if North Dakota State actually wants to jump I don't think they do I don't think they do but I'm curious did the Big 12 talk to them would the Big 12 rather have North Dakota State or UCF you know, North Dakota State, you could at least say, like, long history of playing a lot of teams in the conference, roughly in the same geography. UCF is just sort of like, they're here and they're a school, and they really wanted to be here, and that's great for them. But I I, I, I think there's, to the extent that the G5 is an opportunity to be experimental in the way that the Power 5 conferences are not, I think the Sun Belt is like running some really cool experiments, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and in some ways, I feel like the the Sun Belt took advantage of that FCS moment uh, in a way that that I don't know if others have. I think they've seen it. I don't know if they completely understand how it works. Like I feel like CUSA, they they've added like Sam Houston State and and was it was it Tibbs that who else have they added Jacksonville even if Austin Jacksonville, yeah. uh, Jacksonville State. State yeah yeah, yeah. and you, you wonder are they just pulling in the next three biggest guys or are they really pulling in people that could actually be successful in the F F uh, FBS. But uh yeah, I was wondering what did you think about it and have you thought about it at all those CSE. CUSA uh, acquisitions. It's such a yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, to the extent I've thought about it, I'm like, oh right, that's where Rich Rod is. Yeah, good for good for him sneaking his way back in FBS in like a very unexpected way. Yeah, um, Conference USA. Broadly speaking, I'm I'm like, I'm a little concerned for them writ large like i i i feel less confident that there is a real strong plan in place there in part because i think there these are these are the schools where there doesn't there's not enough like consistent momentum within the member institutions for a variety of reasons like fiu for one example like this is a school where in very recent, what was this, two years ago, Butch Davis is basically calling them out and being like, they're too cheap to run a football program. That's a big problem. Like, that's a very big problem, especially when you, like, if you're going to bring somebody like Butch Davis in, who's obviously had a lot of success in college football, had a little turn in the NFL, et cetera, and then he's going to do that to you publicly, that's not great. Um, UAB's history with the state of Alabama is complicated at best, but at least like they seem to be showing a little bit of momentum. FAU is like kind of a 
home for wayward boys in some respects. Um, <laughs> North Texas has sort of kept existing in this, like, we hate our coach, we love our coach, whatever. I, like, there is less of a, there is less of clear momentum, I think, in Conference USA as it stands. And so on the one hand, it's like maybe that is a good opportunity for the FCS schools to come in and make some noise. On the other hand, I'm like, you, what you, I think what you want to avoid as a G5 conference is that thing where it's like, oh, it's just a bunch of five-win teams. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of teams that beat up on each other because nobody's clearly dominant. They don't win their non-conference games. And we hope that like by hook or by crook, we can get a couple into bowl eligibility and just go from them because you just never bubble up to beyond uh, above the surface. And I think ultimately that's what, whether it's the American, whether it's, you know, the remnants of the big East back in the day, um, the mountain West at certain points, like I think to be successful as a non-power conference, you do need to have some moments where you are garnering national attention. We were talking off air about uh, just kind of the coaches that are in the Sunbelt Conference, and you mentioned, you know, Rich Rod, former OC at ULM, Terry Bowden, now head coach at ULM, Butch Davis at Arkansas State. What do you know about these guys? And, and, and do you feel that the Sunbelt has kind of evolved and they're beyond that Oh, we have Terry Bowden. You know, it's a shame that he's in his latter years. Or, or, or do you feel that this is still a good, good enough league or a name brand league to attract? Oh my God, we have Butch Davis. We have Terry Bowden in the league. Um, <clears throat> that's a really interesting question. I think like Terry and Butch are two examples of. It feels like those were super retready moves, just because of like how long they had been either away from head coaching or how long they had been away from successful head coaching. Um, But I think that says a little bit more maybe about the programs than it does about the conference. I don't know. I don't totally know there. I think, you know, what is inevitably interesting about successful G5 conferences is that they end up getting poached. Like I'm a Florida fan, so I'm perfectly aware of how this works vis-a-vis Louisiana. And the challenge is sort of, you know, Cincinnati is another really good example of this. Part of what made Cincinnati so successful for so long was not that they had coaching stability, but that they could replenish the well, that they could sort of like keep either uh, bringing in people, keep hiring from inside or finding good outside candidates and, and really like getting on board with their vision. Coastal losing Jamie Chadwell is going to be interesting. Like Tim Beck is not necessarily a name that inspires a lot of confidence from a lot of people who love college football, but if it works, it won't matter. That's sort of the trickiness of it. I, I like, and I think to the extent Arkansas state and ULM are, are, are not regarded in that same way or, 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 or those hires, I should say, are looked upon with skepticism. It's that they haven't worked yet. If they start working, it's not really going to matter that much. But, um, <clears throat> but I think, you know, Troy, Louisiana, the schools that have seen coaches leave and have sort of Memphis did the um, Memphis and you know another conference has obviously done this to some success a little less so recently. 
I think you have to figure out, App State's another good example, like, can you stay competitive knowing that you're not going to be able to lock even a good coach down? Because that's the tricky thing. Let's, let's take Butch Jones at Arkansas State. If he turns that program around and they win 10 games, he's not staying. Like, that's just not how it's going to work. Arkansas State has already its own history of, like, becoming a revolving door for coaches to go other places. And I think my sense, and you all would know better than me, my sense is that these schools are okay with that and they're comfortable with that. But that puts a lot of pressure on you that every hire has to be the right one. Because you know, that's, a good, yeah. that's a good point, Ryan, uh, about uh, schools – just group of five schools in particular being okay with coaches finding success and moving on. Uh, there was a time where the Sunbelt schools wanted to hold on to coaches and keep them there for a long time and build sort of a consistency. Yep. I think Arkansas state sort of proved that what you really wanted was to have uh, attention drawn to you by the success and you're willing to go ahead and take a little bit of attrition if it meant that there was still some uh, some mojo yeah. through. Uh, Butch Jones, you know, he's kind of come in to sort of rebuild a program that kind of lost its mojo. Right. Uh, put together some really good recruiting programs. So, yeah, it hasn't worked yet. As far as as uh, uh, the Warhawks and Bowden and, and Dusty can 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 probably weigh in on this, uh, it's been kind of amusing uh, um, time with him. He he seems to be uh, have given the Warhawks at least a little bit of um, of juice. Like, yeah, juice and identity. Sure, you know he, he's yep. out there. He, he's about three feet tall. He wears a suit <laughs> down there on the on the sidelines. He looks like he's doing the accounting or somebody's taxes. <laughs> you know, he just seems to give the Warhawks some sort of visual vis- visibility that you just don't didn't sure see the Warhawks sure. Now, is he just drawing a paycheck until he ends his career? I don't know. Some, we've seen that at Texas State where that has happened. Right. But uh, I guess we'll just have to see. Like, You're Dusty, what is, what is your view on, <laughs> yeah, on the say. Bowden era so far? <laughs> so I think that <clears throat> we have an old saying on the bayou, as they say at ULM, about <laughs> there being a curse from when they were the Indians, they had the chief, they tried to hold on to the chief outfit and I told him, no, you need to take that thing out back, have a ceremonial burial, burning, whatever, because weird shit happens on the bayou every single time. His first year, we were four and eight. Three of those losses were by eight points or less. If you go back and look at ULM's history, they came up to be a 1A program the same time as Central Florida. Mm-hmm. Tell me that's not a big fork in the road of two programs that went two different ways. Right. But the curse of the damn chief has kept the Warhawks from being successful. Just go back and look. Yeah. They have so many close losses and even the wins. You're just like 2005. Everyone wants to focus on, oh, they, they, they shared the Sunbelt conference title. Yeah, sure did. They lost to the worst team ever that year in FIU. All they had to do was be FIU outright conference champions. Then <laughs> it doesn't matter because the game's yeah. vacated because FIU, their whole roster was ineligible. Right. The chief strikes again. <laughs> but I'm not bitter, as you can tell. Not bitter. 
at least you've come to terms with it. Yeah. 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 But across the board, I think the Sunbelt, I think they're, they're the big noise that they're going to make this year, I think is going to be in baseball. And okay. you look at that sport where they added Old Dominion, a team that really got bumped by Old Miss. Hard to make an argument that, you know, maybe they should have been in and Old Miss out when Old Miss goes in and, and makes that the run. Whole damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you got Old Dominion coming in. You got uh, Southern Miss. The Raging Cajuns are always good. Texas State is, is another one that was right there at the cusp of, of really advancing um, out in that Stanford regional. Do you think that this is the year where we could see a Sunbelt team make it to Omaha? I mean, I think the the nature of college baseball is like, sure, why, like Ole Miss is the perfect example of this, where it, it does not feel like in in every year it's just like, oh, the, the best teams or the most accomplished teams, I should say, they're the ones who are definitely going to make it there. And so... Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the trickiness of any baseball season at any level is that it feels like you have to be, and maybe this is also true of that Ole Miss team, it's really not necessarily about how kick-ass is your squad, and it's more about when do you turn it on at the right time? Because there are a lot of programs. T- I mean, Tennessee is a good example of this. Tennessee was a great baseball program last year. And they just did not, it just did not fall into place for them timing wise, where if that same team, you know, you take them two months earlier and put them in the tournament and maybe they're the ones making run Vanderbilt has had similar sort of uh, experiences like this. So I think that's part of what makes the college world series and college baseball so interesting and delightful is that it has that room kind of in the same way that college basketball does, at least for certain runs of the tournament where you can say like, yeah, if you get hot and if you just have like your team playing its best month at the ideal month, there's a lot of possibilities on the board. But that said, if I knew who was going to win the call, who's going to make it to Omaha this year, I would be a very rich man. So. So you, you mentioned college basketball, and this is the debate. Jeremy and Shane always make fun of me. I love the C-level tournaments. God. Would you rather <laughs> win a C-level tournament where you get the nice crystal ball, uh-huh. the nice trophy, or you're a 16 seed, either in Dayton as the first four or a 16 seed getting manhandled by Duke? <clears throat> I know what well, there is. I mean, the good news is it's not going to be Duke doing the manhandling this year. So. Bad example, but, uh, but no, I, I know. I, know. I just wanted to take the opportunity to make fun of Duke briefly. I couldn't help it. Um, so I think it depends. If you, if your C level experience can include some like name teams that are there but aren't that interested, and you can sort of like be like, oh man, look at that. We beat Florida. We beat West Virginia. We beat you know, Texas tech, whatever it is. These are not necessarily like accurate examples this year, but I think if you can do that where you sort of get to say like, Hey, this, um, like I, I, was it Robert Morris that beat Kentucky in the, and I think the first round of the NIT, like 10 years ago or something like that, like that probably ruled. And everybody understood that the fact that Kentucky's in the NIT means they're not that good that year, but I don't think it matters. I think if you get to beat, 
a blue blood or blue blood adjacent program in one of the lesser tournaments in the pecking order, at least that's probably fun. If it is, if you don't have that, I would probably pick the alternate version. If only because if you can be the 15 who upsets a two, like that, that's a lot of fun too. I know it's not the same thing. And I know they're not giving out trophies for being a first round, pulling off a first round upset, but I think there is um, some entertainment value to it. So, so my most lawyerly answer here is it depends. <laughs> that is a lawyerly. Wow. I know. Yeah, I, I will give you a definitive duck. answer. Yeah. Yeah. And that definitive answer is I would much rather have produced spank me on live national <laughs> Get all that exposure, <laughs> have that national NCAA appearance on my in on my resume, then receive whatever the CBI gets gives you for a trophy. What is the just, C- I haven't what is the CBI trophy? I'm gonna look this up. It it was a crystal ball when oh yeah Lim lost it to Loyola. And by the way, Jeremy, I'm definitely cutting an audio clip of saying that you want Purdue to spank you on national TV. <laughs> oh good, yeah. <laughs> Just like that drum they got, just spank me. Okay, here's the other factor. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, I guess the CBI now is played in Daytona Beach. Yes, it is. So, like, free free beach, like, free excuse to go to the beach. That's not the worst, right? I think I'd rather go to the beach than Akron on a Thursday or or on a Tuesday or something for the the first four. See, Jeremy, the the sea levels are taking over. All right. You know, fine. You know, one day you're going to get me on this bus, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm just shaking my head at it. Got to have I more think, than two conference wins. I think, <laughs> I think the only way to do this is you two have to go experience this in person. You have to go to a CBI one year and you have to go to a first four one year and you have to say, which one of these did we enjoy more? Which had the most energy, which had the most That's right. excitement. That's and right. I, I think, well, I think the answer would be very clear. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> So, Ryan, you, you're the leader of the NCAA. Oh, boy. What's, what are you doing to try to settle the NIL and to really make sure that, that we're moving the sport and the, the opportunities for these student-athletes forward? I think, and this is also going to be tinged by my associating with the Florida Gators, I think at some point they need to bite the bullet and say, NIL is running house. Like if you're signing with a school, great. NIL opportunities are open to you and they, they, the school has to be sort of the collective through which they all run. The idea that we have all these third parties who can't be vetted very well, can't, um, are maybe making promises that are not even maybe are making promises that they can't keep and that the school and the athletic department and the coaches may not even be aware of. It feels like it spells trouble for all sides of the equation without any real answer to it. And I think, I think the first step you have to sort of say is listen, NIL is a thing and we are embracing it and accepting that it is the new reality but you can't have you can't have these third party collectives they they can exist but they have to it has to sort of be a like triangle agree, triangular agreement where the school is in the loop and involved and part of this discussion i think like anything else 
loses any opportunity for consistent communication and transparency, both for the institutions and the student athletes. That's, that's, I think the simplest path forward without sort of like getting into the minutia of like what the NCAA has decided to do vis-a-vis what's okay and what's not in NIL. I'm sorry. I was paying my student loan payment while you were talking about <laughs> that. Um, yeah. It, it, I don't know what the right answer is. I mean, do I, do I think that the universities and athletic programs to a degree need to do some revenue sharing with the student athletes that put them in that position to make the money? Yes. But as I said, I'm, you know, 15 years removed from college and still Aunt Sally May calls me every month yep. going, hey, can you help a brother out? Um, something's got to give yep. for the student experience in addition to the student athlete experience. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't think it is. I think it is one of those things where the places where the numbers are eye-popping or the experience is really messy draw a lot of attention. And I think by and large, NIL has not been a seismic shock to college athletics. I don't think it has led to like the, the, the sport being completely upended, but I do think it is um, out there on the margins enough that it would be smarter to sort of try to at least get a better sense of it. Cause like the fact that the NCAA can't even really get a good, um, estimate or count of like here's what nil dollars look like that seems bad that seems like a a, like it seems tricky to say there's this whole economy happening that we don't have a good sense of but we also want to have serious institutional control and 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 be able to levy punishments over it like i don't think you can have it both ways i don't think you can say we don't want to touch it and we don't want to know about it but also, if you break our rules, we're going to bring the hammer down upon you. I think that's I think that's like an untenable path. Yeah, I've been looking at uh, some of the NIL collectives. I know Arkansas State is just about to put theirs together, uh, and it's 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 a bunch of it's just a group of alums that you know have. It's like starting a small business. Yep. Almost. It's it at Arkansas State. It's a charity. Yep. And and it requires that the student athletes who partake in it uh, do a little charity work to to make that work. But there's different rules in different states. If you looked at all the collectives in the Sun Belt, and some are some are doing it, some are are still figuring it out. Yep, it's different rules. It's a wild, wild west. Just a a a, a landscape of gray areas and uncharted territory. And that's what's kind of uh, amusing to me is that there's not a template that programs can follow and say okay this is what we have to do seems like a strong ncaa ncaa uh, back in the 80s and 90s would have been under had that under their thumb now it's just sort of like this weird free enterprise and i i guess that shifts to i i don't know if that's good for everyone or just good for well-heeled programs well I think the trickiness is that, you know, I always try to remember that the NCAA is really just the member institutions. It's not an independent body. It doesn't have like it only does when they make changes. It is because the member institutions say like, yes, we bless this and want this to happen. But I think what a lot of the challenge of the association has become 
in the last 10 to 20 years, let's say, is that the gap between the richest school in FBS and the poorest school has widened drastically. The gap between FBS and FCS has widened drastically. You know, you talk about how, uh, you know, we going back to like retaining coaches, retaining coaches used to be an easier proposition in theory because you didn't stand to make necessarily a wildly different portion of money going from G5 to P5. And now it is. Now it's sort of like I can make $8 million more a year. And and those, you know, I remember when I think Steve Spurrier was the first coach to yep. break the million dollar mark. And that was like a big deal. And now it's like the making a million. Making that. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes, yes. Clemson, it's, I think Clemson a couple of years ago had both coordinators making like over two. So the fact that we have one association that has to be responsible for all of this and has to set rules for everyone makes it inherently tricky because how do you say here are the NIL rules they apply to Arkansas state and Texas <laughs> like how do you do that those are two like wildly different things i'm glad i'm not actually in charge of it if you actually said ryan you're in charge of the ncaa i would be like cool i resign <laughs> <laughs> give me my payout yes yes where's my pension <laughs> what else you got there jeremy I'm I'm good. I feel like we have squeezed Ryan for every drop <laughs> of good information. Start starting first with the onion, yeah, and then coming down to NIL, and probably some bad information too. Let's be honest; like this filtration process is not perfect. I mean, we'll put it in the colander and shake it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See what stuff. comes out. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Yes. Um, Ryan, how can we get a hold of you or how can fans get a hold of you? I think I know. Yeah. You can find me at Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter, on Instagram. Instagram is mostly more like, hey, I baked something. Um, But you can come look at that. That's fine. Uh, And you can listen to extremely non-college football discussion with me and my three co-hosts on the Shutdown Fullcast, um, where we would have about this much college football discussion in a month's worth of episodes combined, maybe. (laughs) And we yeah. got the juice. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, now I definitely won't be talking about college football there. I'm all out. <laughs> yeah. So you'll have to talk about baking. That's right. Let me ask you this. Uh, right. Where did the name celebrity hot tub come from? For sure. your Twitter? Um, when I signed up for Twitter a very long time ago at this point, um, I was not in any way like, Oh, this is going to be a professional thing that I do. It was just like, this is a lark. And I didn't really have like a go-to username, but I really enjoy this old Eddie Murphy skit on SNL where he, it's called James Brown Celebrity Hot Tub. And the whole skit is just him doing a James Brown impersonation, but just saying like, oh, hot tub going to make me sweat. Good God, get back. And just doing that for like three minutes. Like there's no actual meat to it. It's just an excuse to do an impersonation. And I just sort of liked the flow of celebrity hot tub. I think that's like a good pairing of words. And so I went with that. And now I've been stuck with it ever since. Yeah, because you know what? Just following your Twitter handle for a long time, I thought you were Eddie Murphy. Yes, I yes, I am. <laughs> I want to make it clear to the listeners. I am Eddie Murphy. But seeing you now, it's clear that you don't not- tell them. Don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Ryan, for being on the show. Sure. Our- 
looking forward to seeing what else you have on uh, on Twitter, your Thank your you. favorite platform, and we'll take a t- check out your podcast too. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on. There so, you go, Jeremy. Uh, you, you, your dream is true that you yeah. now got to talk to the celebrity hot tub. You know, I was looking through his, his Twitter feed, and one of his goals is to be on as many podcasts as possible. I wonder if that's why he agreed to be on our podcast, just to add it to another notch in his bedpost. So you're saying we're like a make-a-wish or something, that we're, we're helping him with his, his dreams? Uh, I think we're more like, you know, like, Sort of the skank on the side is what we're more like, you know. Like, I'm sure he's doing like really cool podcasts, and we're just, you know, what we're just a ham and egger. We're just, you know, out there spreading the news of the Sun Belt before a, a limited circle of people, and uh, it's just kind of crazy to get a star like celebrity hot tub on this show, don't you think? Don't you? Don't you? Didn't you feel the celebrity vibe? He's Twitter verified. Isn't that big? <laughs> well, nowadays you just pay for that, right? <laughs> but yeah, even before you paid for it, he was Twitter verified. Shane, ever been verified? I have not. I've tried oh. to go through the process and then I end up quitting like halfway through because I don't have I, I <laughs> everything they're the asking for. Yeah, I went through the process, Shane, and got rejected. <laughs> it was like, you're not worth verifying. So... <laughs> F you Twitter. That's what I said. I will be for, uh, a Twitter for the people. I think one time I was trying to upload my driver's license and it kept stalling on me. And I was just like, this is not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now's the time of the show, Shane and Tibbs. For, and Tibbs, I'm kind of stepping on your moment because you invented this. But I'm going to try to give it a shot. It's plugs, promos. And parting shots. Am I right? Did I get it? Did I get it? I'm so proud of you for finally getting something right. <laughs> I'm going to make a, then you should be the first to go for plugs, promos, and parting shots. Yeah, I got nothing. I'm just kidding. Uh, my parting shot. How great was the Tubi commercial for the Super Bowl? where it was them coming back from a commercial and then you see the menu pop up. They select, I think it was Mr. and Mrs. Smith and start playing the movie to make people just freak out that somebody had the remote turned off the game and turned on a movie in the middle of it. Absolutely. My son, commercial. my son and his bro hams all got fooled by that. They were like, who pressed the remote? Oh my God. And then I go, oh, it's a commercial. But yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Right, now, Tibbs, are you a guy who kind of likes watching the commercials for the Super Bowl? I didn't watch any of the Super Bowl, so not this year. I always catch them on the backside. I'm, I'm the yeah. guy that will YouTube commercials. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I'm in the advertising. You know, that's <clears> kind of my, my, my job. And I hate watching the commercials. It just drives me nuts. It makes me jealous. They've got all the, they've got all the budget. They've got all the the resources. And it just drives me crazy because I'm like having to write TV commercials for banks, like local banks, and I don't I don't get that creative freedom. So it makes me angry. 
I don't like to watch them. I turn them off. I wait. I watch the game for the game. Shane, you like the commercials. I'll make this my parting shot. I used to like the commercials, uh-huh. but they used to be funny and creative and something you didn't see all year round. Now it's just like, you know, whatever celebrity they pay to like be on it and say one line. They're just, they're not what they used to be. I, I'm, I'm going to be an old man shaking my fist at a cloud on the Super Bowl <laughs> commercials. I want, I want like a, I love you, man, but lighter, the Clydesdales or something, not, not like, oh, Snoop's in this one. I don't even know what he's selling, but he's in this one. You know, you're absolutely right about that, Shane. I, I heard a lot of people this year kind of grumble about the quality of the commercials. And you're right. They used to be iconic. You'd get a, you know, like a, what's up commercial or, a, you know, a, something that, you know, Yo Quiero Taco Bell, you know, just just some sort of soundbite that would carry you through the year through these commercials. And this year didn't really have that. It didn't have like that, that moment where you, you, you stood at the water cooler and, and mimicked it, you know, as much as the Tubi commercial that, that, uh, Shay, yeah. or, uh that, that, uh, Tibbs talked about. Even that's not something that and you see it once, you know, it doesn't fool you again. You don't want to see it. Yeah. Again. We're not going to be like saying the line for the next 10 years. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, I, you're kind of right. It's like some of the creative creativity has been sapped from it. And, and you're also right. Yeah. I know uh, Shane at, or uh, uh, Tibbs had talked about watching them beforehand or catching them afterwards on YouTube. It used to be, you didn't see these spots until the game. And, and now it's like they, they've already like evaluated them long before. Yeah. And then you can go find the ones that people talk about that seem like they're worth watching. Yeah. 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 I did. The, I, I think the, I, I kind of was intrigued by the flash movie. <laughs> that was also how I watch Saturday night live. Now I don't sit and watch Saturday night live. I wait and see <laughs> what, what sketches people say are good. And then I watch them on YouTube. Yeah, I just yeah, watch. Yeah. I, I just watch Weekend Update. That that's all I watch on Monday morning is Weekend Update. Yeah, Weekend Update's good. I like those two guys they have on there. They're they're pretty funny. But I don't think I've watched Saturday Night Live. Ah, oh, God, maybe in ten years. And not not because I don't like Saturday Night Live. I'm fine with it. It's just it's on so late, guys. <laughs> I'm getting old. Can't stay up for that. <laughs> Ah, uh, my plug promo and parting shot. Jeez, I, I you know what? I, I, I did watch the Super Bowl. I enjoyed it. I know uh, Tibbs has some sort of thing against uh, the Super Bowl, which is fine, but I, I, I love the NFL. I like watching it. Uh, you know what? I thought, Shane, uh, like, remember how much I said I hated country music, Shane? Yeah. Uh, Tibbs, you, you, you've heard me rant about country music, right? Uh, several times. Yeah, you know, I just don't like it. But, you know, the guy who sang the national anthem, uh, Chris Stapleton, who, whose work I'm not familiar with, he knocked it out of the park, guys. I don't know if it was on par with, uh, with um, oh, oh, uh, Whitney Houston's rendition. One and the same. <laughs> I thought it was very good, though. He really did a great job. So congratulations. To Chris Stapleton, who works in a, with a clay I do not appreciate, I have to admit, but I thought he did a good job. And that is my parting shot. So for the Fun Belt Gang, yeah, it was so much fun. 
We'll do it again next week when we break down week one of Sunbelt Conference baseball when we see these sleeper teams start rising to the top. Arkansas State forever, man. <laughs>